Fearless Christmas, spoken by Pastor David Hosang. Well, good morning, Metro. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. It's Christmas Sunday, and Christmas Day will be on Friday. Thank you, worship team, for leading us through those Christmas worship songs. And greetings to you again from the best staff ever. Congratulations to Pastor Doug and Sonia on the safe arrival of their daughter this weekend. Well, as the oldest member of staff, I am not playing Father Christmas today, but subbing for our beloved Pastor Peter. His son, Christian, tested positive for COVID last week, but is recovering excellently. The rest of the Ann family tested negative and are in fine health. But being very considerate of our Sunday morning team, Peter is in voluntary quarantine this weekend, exercising the principle of loving neighbor as self. We've just completed our sermon series of seven soul care principles, with principle six dealing with overcoming fears. And this may have stirred up some known and unknown fears in our hearts. It was noted that the charge to fear not or do not be afraid is the most common command in scripture. And while this command may not appear as many as 365 times in the Bible, I believe popularized by an excellent megachurch pastor here in the USA, it occurs a lot with great frequency and emphasis. This indicates that fear is a common human emotion that we all have, feel, and express. The Greek word for fear is phobos, from which we get the word phobia. A few weeks ago, Pastor Peter shared the story of one of my greatest fears, the fear of losing my life partner and best friend of a heart attack. It was particularly stressful when Betty's EKG started going haywire in the Inglewood Hospital ER. And the nurse shouted, we need a cardiologist immediately. Our patient is having a massive heart attack. We need all non-medical people to leave immediately. We need to prep the patient for surgery. Everything seemed like a bad dream in slow motion. And as we got shuffled to the waiting room, the Lord gave me the presence of mind to call family and friends, mostly in Jamaica, Chicago, and Southern California, to pray for Betty. The scripture that came to mind was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious, stressed, fearful, freaked out about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this kept me going, plus the company of Shirley Clay and later Peter. God reminded me that he was in control and gave me that indescribable peace, removing my fears in the waiting room, in the recovery intensive care room, in the hospital room, and in the recovery home. But needless to say, we are living in very fearful times, made more fearful by COVID. We may be fearful about what is going to happen between now and January 20th, and after January 20th to our nation. We may be fearful about when and how we're going to get back together as a gathered church. We may be fearful about whether we're going to survive online learning and not fall behind in school. We may be fearful whether we'll get a job, a new job, or lose our present job. We may be fearful about whether we're going to survive financially. We may be fearful about our singleness and the longer odds of meeting a future life partner. We may be fearful that our marriage will end because more time together has magnified our relational issues. We may be fearful that the additional responsibilities and stresses of educating and entertaining our children 24-7 may lead us to violate the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. We may even be fearful about our parents' health or our personal health, despite the recent approval of two highly effective COVID vaccines. Christmas ought to be merry with neat gifts and great food, but we may be gripped with paralyzing or niggling fear. Fear not, you're in good company. We're going to look at people in the New Testament this morning who are filled with fear around the first Christmas. But thankfully, fear was transformed into a magical thing, a miraculous thing, a good thing, a God thing, which you and I can have. Today's message is essentially about Christmas fear transformed. It is really part two of two messages. But since part one is more of a PG message, we'll do that tonight for Advent Devotional, where we look at Mary, whose Christmas fear was transformed into service, and Joseph, whose Christmas fear was transformed to obedience. This morning, we'll look at some very ordinary people who would probably be even considered lower than most of us in the socioeconomic pecking order. We look at shepherds whose Christmas fear was transformed into worship. But before we do so, let's pray. Father, thank you for Christmas when you gave us the priceless, sacrificial, inexpressible gift of your son Jesus. 
Right now, we may have fears in our hearts. Please help us to apply the story of Christmas fear transformed to our life today. Amen. So let's turn our Bible to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, which will be projected on your screen. As we read, try to put yourself into the story, into the shoes of these human characters. Today's passage is a well-known Christmas text. It was recited by Linus in A Charlie Brown Christmas, where observant viewers note that when he got to the line, fear not, he dropped his security blanket and continued talking and walking without fear. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Well, let's look a little at the background of this passage. The first humans mentioned in this passage are shepherds. And in the past, these shepherds have often gotten a bad rap, sometimes even by biblical scholars using inappropriate and irrelevant evidence. The conclusion was that they were despised social outcasts regarded as dishonest and unclean. On the other hand, the New Testament pictures God, Jesus, and pastors as shepherds in a very positive light. So based on the evidence, the most we can say with certainty about shepherds in first century Palestine is that they belonged to the poor socioeconomic class. And this is probably enough for us regarding the mystery 
of the birth of Jesus. Not born in a wealthy palace and placed in a luxurious crib, but born in an animal stall and placed in a feeding trough. Not seen first by the rich and the powerful, but by the poor and the powerless. The shepherds were just ordinary peasant people pursuing their non-glamorous, non-lucrative careers. Their possible claim to fame may have been that they had the important job of raising sheep for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem, about five and a half miles away. They were keeping watch at night, probably using the shift system to protect their sheep from human thieves and animal predators. So what happened in this divine event, this divine encounter? An angel appeared, probably Gabe, who showed up earlier to Zachariah and Mary, and the glory of the Lord filled the sky, brighter than any Disneyland show or fireworks display, possibly even brighter than daylight brightness. This was an amazing, unique, and even frightening experience. Verse 9 tells us literally that they were filled with great fear, translated as terrified in the NIV, frightened enough to wet their robe. They were probably freaking out so much that the angel had to reassure and restrain them, do not be afraid. This is not a time of great fear, but a time of great joy because this is good news to all people, both Jews and Gentiles. The good news, the gospel, that born on this defining day in history, in the town of David, in Bethlehem, according to the Old Testament prophecy of Micah 5.2, is Jesus, Yeshua, meaning Savior, who is the Christ, meaning the Messiah, and the Lord of the universe. The sign or evidence of this spectacular supernatural announcement is that the shepherds would find the baby wrapped humbly in cloth strips and lying in a feeding trough. The shepherds now experience the heavenly concert of God's celestial choir, praising God with an awesome spoken or sung rendition of Gloria in excelsis Deo, announcing true shalom on earth to those obedient ones with whom God is pleased. The verses that follow show us the shepherd's response to this good news. The event started off with the shepherd's initial response of great fear but ends with their enthusiastic worship of God. We have much to learn from these poor peasant shepherds and will do well if we emulate their behavior. So let's look at four positive responses to the shepherds that we will do well to follow. 
how do the shepherds? And how may we have Christmas fear transformed into worship? Firstly, Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we proactively pursue the good news. Verse 15b, the shepherds said one to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. The shepherds did not merely say, whoa, that was some experience. Nobody's ever going to believe us. But we have lost sleep, except for the one on night duty. We're tired. We have a full day's work ahead, so let's go back to bed. And for some of us, God has gotten our attention by giving us a supernatural experience, like an appearance or message in a good dream or vision, or an extraordinary experience of near death or healing, and we have done nothing about it. It's time for you to act on this at Christmas. Let's look at some positive things the shepherd did in pro proactively pursuing the good news. Well, they consulted one another about this extraordinary experience. And when we share our unusual individual or joint experiences with each other, we are more likely to come up with a wise decision or plan of action. Perhaps you need to share your unusual experience with a discerning Christian or group of Christians. Another positive thing, they had some basic knowledge of the scriptures. When the angel told them that the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord was born in the town of David, they immediately knew it was referring to Bethlehem. The more you know the word of the Lord, the better you are to understand the Lord of the word when he speaks to you. So develop a plan to have a better grasp of the word of God in 2021 and execute this sustainably for the year. And actually, the primary focus is not so much on getting a better grasp of the word of God, but the God of the word getting a better grasp of you. Yet another positive thing. They recognized that the message from the angel was ultimately a message from the Lord. Notice verse 15, which the Lord told us about. The more we know about the Lord, or the more we know the Lord, the better able we are to discern messages that are coming directly or indirectly from him. And finally, and most importantly, they did not merely have a discussion about the potential benefits of acting on the good news. They decided to take action, took action, and were rewarded for this. Unless you take positive action, your discussion about saying yes to Jesus for salvation, 
or yes in obedience to something he has brought to your attention means nothing, nada, zilch, zero, if you do nothing about it. So Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we proactively pursue the good news. Secondly, Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we eagerly experience the good news. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds did not procrastinate and drag their feet once they made the decision to discover the good news. They were aware of the principle, if you lose, if you snooze, literally or figuratively, you lose. So they took swift action and experienced the good news. You may have reached the conclusion that Jesus is all he claimed to be and offers the good news of salvation. So my question to you is, what's holding you back from taking action and experiencing the good news and the joy of God's salvation? Your delayed action may be deadly because you and I do not know our own expiration date. So why not experience the good news this Christmas Sunday? Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we eagerly experience the good news. But thirdly, Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we shamelessly share the good news. Verse 17 and 18. When they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. They needed to share this good news. It's like you receiving news that COVID vaccines are available in your town and you received a shot. What should you do next? The same with the life-giving good news of the gospel. We need to share it with our family and our friends and urge them to receive it. Now, we're not responsible for how this good news is received, either with open acceptance and amazement or closed skepticism and rejection. But we need to share shamelessly this good news of salvation in Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, the Messiah, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. One of our staff has been sharing the good news with someone by studying a book of the Bible. This person probably heard the good news many, many times. But recently, as they read about the sacrificial, unconditional, unearned love of Jesus, and reflected on the same type of love that they have for their children, the lights of God's love turned on. Sharing the good news, particularly with a family member or close friend, is hard 
and often not politically correct. And remember, very importantly, sharing the good news and being good news are inseparable. So let's continue to pray for people whom God has prompted to put on our hit list and look for opportunities to shamelessly share this good news. What have we got to lose? Perhaps a little pride and embarrassment. What have they got to lose? Eternal life with God and eternity without God. So Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we shamelessly share the good news. And finally, Christmas fear is transformed into worship when we are truly transformed by the good news. Verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen that were just as they had been told. The shepherds were different people after they experienced the good news. They were never the same again. They were transformed people. They resumed their life as shepherds, but they became true worshipers of God. They knew that God is true to his word, and they found the Savior. You can be truly transformed into God's new creation by receiving his good news of salvation. And if you've already experienced this good news, you've already begun that one natural response to God is to worship him for who he is and for what he has done for us. Like sending his son, which we celebrate at Christmas, and offering us salvation through Jesus, which we celebrate at Easter time. Worship comes full circle. The shepherds witness awesome worship at the beginning, and the shepherds themselves worship as a result of this. As truly transformed people, we can truly worship God regardless of our own human fears. So let's celebrate this Christmas with joy and thanksgiving to God for Jesus. One vital aspect of worship is celebration. And one vital aspect of celebration is the celebration of the sacrament of communion. We celebrate the first advent at Christmas, the first coming of Jesus. We celebrate the second advent of Jesus when he comes a second time. Scripture reminds us that every time we celebrate communion, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is a time of looking back with joy and thanksgiving at Jesus' redemptive death and glorious resurrection and looking forward with eager expectation and anticipation of Jesus' victorious return and eternal rule 
whenever that may be. So let's look both backwards and forwards as we celebrate the Lord's Supper once more, but yet once less. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and said to his disciples, take, eat, this my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. This Christmas Sunday, as we celebrate Christmas, and as we celebrate the body, broken body, the death of Jesus, let us do so with joy and thanksgiving, the body of Christ for us. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the third cup, the cup of redemption, and said to the disciples, this is the new covenant in my blood given for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake of the blood of Christ, reminding us of his shed blood, but reminding of his second coming. Well, let's just pause for a few seconds as we celebrate this act of worship. Often called the Eucharist, the Greek word for thanksgiving. And let us be thankful to God for the inexpressible gift of Jesus at Christmas and for the inexpressible gift of Jesus' salvation at Easter time. So would you please click in your communication card as we respond to God with our next steps. Step number one, I am committing my life to Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time. This is the best Christmas gift that you could ever give to the Lord. Secondly, I will share the good news of Jesus with at least one relative or friend this Christmas season.
God will provide opportunities as we are alert and obedient, and he will show us. Step number three, I will focus on worshiping God and not dwelling on my fears this Christmas season. Fourthly, I will participate in the Christmas at the Well service on the eve of Christmas Eve on December 23rd. Fifthly, I will participate in the Advent devotions on December 20th to 27th tonight and next Sunday. Sixthly, I will worship God by giving generously to our Christmas offering. And I believe we may have a running total of how much we have collected so far for our Christmas offering from now until 29,000, almost 30,000. So God has blessed us, but we have a long ways to go. But in faith, just as how God provided those 100 angel tree gifts, we believe that God will move our hearts to give generously. And then finally, I will register for the Soul Care Conference on January 14th to 16th. 